Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, where we explore the exciting science behind heart rate variability. The material discussed in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please check with your medical provider to make sure any suggestions or strategies are right for you. Visit us at the OptimalHRV.com website to learn more about the Optimal HRV app, download a free copy of Matt's book, Heart Rate Variability, and also get show notes and additional resources around heart rate variability and its applications. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I got Hina today, and um, I'm really excited to talk about one of the impacts that uh, Ina and initially her book before I uh, got to meet her and now call her a colleague and friend uh, was healthy breathing. I, I remember, Ina, I think it was like maybe even chapter one, if not chapter two of your book. Um, I read it and my morning mindfulness practice has never been the same. Uh, I was doing an inhale, exhale equal amount of times and I immediately changed that to add a few seconds on the exhale part. Uh, so since I had such a huge, just immediate impact on uh, my practical uh, morning mindfulness practice, I thought it'd be great to share uh, with our audience uh, with this. And so I would love to maybe start out with oxygen and carbon dioxide, because I would like most people thought you need that big inhale because we need, we need, we must have oxygen. And I would love for you to share a little bit of information uh, that really had me really look at that thinking as maybe not quite being exactly what's going on uh, on the inhale and the exhale. Yeah, that's a um, really great um, question, Matt. Um, there is a pretty major misconception out there uh, with regard to both oxygen and carbon dioxide um, that often keeps people breathing in uh, inefficient ways or even ways that actually create a problem rather than yeah. solving a problem. Yeah. So um, you're right. A lot of times people think that in order for them to feel calmer or to do better or to relieve anxiety or to, you know, get better, uh, to prevent pain, etc., they need more oxygen. Um, and that is actually just physiologically speaking, not true. The only time you need more oxygen is if your activity level is increasing. Yeah. Uh, if you are, you know, if your activity level remains about the same, then the oxygen that you have is plentiful. You know, the amount, the oxygen you're taking in with each breath, right? So the the air you're taking in with each breath contains 21% oxygen. Mm -hmm. And the air you're breathing out contains about 15, 16% oxygen. So you're using only a quarter of the oxygen that you take in, meaning you have plenty of oxygen. You have you know, quite a bit of reserves. So even if your activity level is increasing a little bit, you still have plenty of oxygen you don't need anymore. Uh, and you know your body cannot absorb more oxygen than you know, a hundred percent, right? You know, your, once the oxygen comes into your bloodstream, it binds to hemoglobin to be delivered, you know, throughout the organs and tissues. Your hemoglobin cannot be more than a hundred percent saturated. It is just physiologically not, not possible. Uh, so all that oxygen that doesn't get bound to hemoglobin gets exhaled. So 
uh, again, you know, long story short, you have plenty of oxygen. Yeah. So uh, what, what does that, can you tell, because here's where I really felt ignorant as somebody who's studied breathing probably more than most folks, what do we do with that? What's that hemoglobin do with oxygen? Because I think what you think, big, you know, we're, we're breathing, we're getting energy in some way. And I know oxygen plays a role in that. So let's, let's break it down to the simplest level of why do we, what, what's that oxygen doing in the first place? Well, um, oxygen is, uh, provides basic fuel for our cell function, right? Uh, in order for um, your cells in any part of the body to do whatever it is they're designed to do, they need to have oxygen, right? So um, you breathe in uh, oxygen, it comes in through your nose or through your mouth, ideally through the nose, uh, you know, gets uh, uh, down through the respiratory tract to your lungs, you know, gets absorbed uh, into the bloodstream. And once oxygen enters the bloodstream, it binds to hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is part of your red blood cells uh, and that is designed to carry oxygen and other gases around. So uh, oxygen comes in, binds to hemoglobin, hemoglobin picks it up and, you know, transfers it, to, you know, throughout uh, the body, releasing it uh, to various parts of the body, depending on uh, the metabolic needs uh, of that particular organ or tissue. Uh, the oxygen is, once the oxygen is released, it enters the cell and it is used by that cell for energy um, and as a byproduct of that uh, of metabolism for that cell, uh, it produces, the cell produces carbon dioxide and water. Um, and that gets spit back out uh, into the bloodstream uh, for redistribution or for uh, expulsion from the body. Great. So, so the carbon dioxide with, with again, my, my thinking, and I'd love for you to expand on this, because well, what you just described was sort of, even though I could not have gone nearly that technical or that quickly to give a great explanation on it, is carbon dioxide fully only a byproduct, almost a waste product of, of the, the, the kind of the energy system with oxygen you just described? Is that like, is that what carbon dioxide, you just, we need to get it out um, or, or does it have maybe a deeper function um, in this whole uh, complex process? Yeah, that's another misconception that is extremely prevalent and kind of gets a little bit dangerous uh, out there. Yeah. Yes, so you're right, uh, by, carbon dioxide is a byproduct of metabolism. Uh, you know, most of the carbon dioxide in the human body is produced in the human body as a byproduct of metabolism. Because mm -hmm. you know, the air we're breathing contains very, very little carbon dioxide, you know, virtually not, there's a tiny bit. So most of the carbon dioxide is, is produced as a result of metabolism internally. Uh, and the misconception is that it is a waste product and that it is toxic. Uh, while it is true that we don't want to have too much carbon dioxide, uh, it's actually fairly difficult to get too much carbon dioxide. The problem comes in when we don't have enough. Uh, we need to reserve 85 to 88% of our carbon dioxide for pH regulation. And so huge majority of our carbon dioxide needs to stay within the body. We only need to get rid of 12 to 15% of it. Wow. Uh, and this is the big misconception, right? If you were to put carbon dioxide human body into Google, you will get all sorts of, uh, um, you know, websites and messages saying, you know, this is uh, a waste, it's toxic, you need to get rid of it, you need to cleanse your body and things like that. Um, and that is uh, not true and dangerous because 
when your CO2 levels are too low, it messes uh, with your pH level. That's the acid uh, base balance in the body, which is extremely important for proper physiological function. And if we don't have enough uh, carbon dioxide, our physiology gets really messed up. We don't get enough oxygen. Our muscles don't work properly. We can get, you know, we get really tired. Uh, you know, the, uh, some of the metabolic byproducts in our body might not be getting expelled properly. Uh, you know, your gastrointestinal tract may not function properly. Your brain does not function properly. So all sorts of issues um, happen if we don't have enough carbon dioxide. So, so that, that was one of the shockers as I was, it's like carbon dioxide was just always sort of an afterthought. And all of a sudden, like I'm reading uh, your book and I'm like, wait a minute, this is actually crucial to healthy functioning. So let, let's go into that. I think probably all of us remember pH from maybe a bio, high school biology, those strips that we put in to different things. And if you, you know, made me tell you what it is, uh, before reading your book, I'd have no idea. So Let's let's go to that because that that was one of those things that that kind of relearning what the heck pH was and its link to carbon dioxide really kind of helped me understand this in, in a deeper way. So so can can we like focus in on that with the carbon dioxide pH? Why should I care about pH um, and the pH levels in in uh, my body? Absolutely. So pH uh, uh, refers to power of hydrogen. Um, it, that's kind of just what it stands for. And what it tells us is uh, how alkaline or how acidic uh, you know, your blood and other fluids in your body are, right? This is, you know, pH when it comes to the human body, obviously pH applies to all sorts of other things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, pH can be in, uh, neutral, uh, pH of seven is neutral, and that is distilled water, not necessarily tap water, uh, but distilled water is neutral, has a pH of seven. Um, when, you know, the pH is, uh, lower uh, than seven, uh, that means that the substance is acidic. Uh, and when the pH is higher than seven, that means that the substance is alkaline. Um, and the human body needs to maintain its pH level somewhere between 7.35 and 7.45, so slightly alkaline. Okay. And it's a fairly narrow range. Um, the tricky part is your body pH level is determined by only two things carbon dioxide and bicarbonates. Bicarbonates are regulated by the kidneys and kidneys do not do anything about your pH level, you know, for at least eight hours, sometimes, you know, you know even a day or more. Uh, whereas your carbon dioxide is regulated with each breath. Uh, so your breathing is one of the main uh, regulators of pH and has a very large impact because every breath uh, can change uh, your, uh, your pH level. So, so let's knock something out that I, I you know, I, I saw a little bit in the research that like drinking lemon juice in the morning creates an alkali, maybe. I, I was doing this for a while because I, I was reading things and I love to try things. Uh, uh, any, like anything we should worry about with that? Like, like should we be trying to create uh, through maybe diet, because I, I want to get back in the breathing, but, but is there anything to this research about lemon juice and pH or anything that you see 
you know, sort of on these uh, certain health websites of the benefits of lemon juice in the morning and other other things as far as pH levels. So I'll be honest with you, I have not looked at the research specifically as it relates to lemon juice, um, but there are two different um, kinds of, uh, you know, pH regulation here. There is metabolic, um, you know, pH, and that is uh, uh, produced, you know, internally, um, you know, through the body. <clears throat> and that's what has to do with your, you know, nutrition and, you know, yeah. which foods are broken down, how, and, you know, there is, uh, there is something to that. Absolutely. Uh, it's a bit outside of my area of expertise. So I will leave that um, to another expert to talk about. Uh, but then there is a respiratory um, uh, metabolic uh, states and that's uh, you know, the respiratory pH. Um, uh, and that is uh, uh, where your carbon dioxide uh, comes in, right? So your carbon dioxide uh, you know, is obviously regulated through respiration. Uh, and this is where you might get respiratory uh, alkalosis or respiratory acidosis, uh, depending on what's going on with the breath. Okay, so uh, with this understanding that, that, that carbon dioxide plays this central role, you know, the, the big inhales, I, like, and I've been like from a mental health perspective, if you're getting stressed out, take that, take, take a deep breath. Um, you, you know, what, what should we be thinking about uh, with this understanding uh, that carbon dioxide uh, and oxygen are, are both really central to, to healthy functioning? One of the things I love about the breath, whether we're talking the autonomic nervous system or pH levels, is it's sort of the one thing if we focus on, we, we have some access to this mostly unconscious uh, sort of regulatory systems in our body. So when we start talking about, okay, how should we breathe to sort of maximize uh, the research we're talking about, help, help us understand um, you know, sort of the inhale, exhale uh, with this oxygen, carbon dioxide uh, uh, stuff that you've been educating us on. Yeah. Um, so what matters, you know, as far as the mechanics of your breath um, is the size and the rate of the breath, right? You know, what, uh, the volume of the air that you're taking in and how fast you're breathing. Um, and we want to have a balance, right? If you're breathing more deeply, you need to breathe more slowly. If you're uh, you know, breathing more shallowly, then you can breathe faster. Um, and uh, that has to do with the balance uh, of you know, oxygen and uh, carbon dioxide. Um, whatever amount of air we breathe in, the same amount of air gets, gets breathed out, right? Um, so if we're taking in a very, very large, deep breath, um, that same volume of air is going to have to come out. And with a large volume uh, of, of an inhalation, yeah, you are getting um, volume-wise a lot of oxygen. But as I mentioned, you're only using, you know, as, as much as you can use. You cannot get any extra in no matter how big a breath you take. Yeah. Uh, so all that extra oxygen and then that same volume of air gets breathed out. Right? And by the way, most of the air you're breathing in is nitrogen. Uh, there is 21% you know, oxygen and 78% you know, nitrogen, and there's a little bit of carbon dioxide, helium, and things like that. Um, so uh, nitrogen is completely neutral you know, to the body. It's inert. We don't do anything with it. Just breathe, breathe, it, breathe it in, breathe it out. You use the oxygen. Uh, so in that volume of air that you are uh, breathing in, when if you've taken in much greater volume than you need, than you're going to use, uh, in order to exhale it properly, you have to exhale it really, really, really slowly. Mm. Um, 
And for a lot of people, that's hard yeah. because, you know, let, let, I'll, I'll demonstrate, you know, you know, to take a really big deep breath, the way that people typically do when they're told to take a deep breath, I'll show you just how slowly you need to exhale. And I could probably even keep going a little bit more. Right? <laughs> I was trying so, to do it with you. and I. <laughs> uh, that's a really, really, really slow exhalation. Most yeah. people don't know they need to do that. A lot of people can't uh, do it. And yeah. if you're trying to take deep breaths when you're already stressed, uh, you're really not going to be able to exhale that slowly. Right. right? So if you um, end up exhaling faster then what you're doing is breathing out more carbon dioxide than your body is producing. You're lowering uh, the amount of carbon dioxide that's being retained uh, in your blood, Fascinating. which messes with your pH level, right? So carbon dioxide is acidic in the blood is dissolved as carbonic acid. Uh, if you breathe out too much carbon dioxide because you've, you know, you've taken in too big a breath and you've breathed it out too fast, um, that lowers acidity. Um, of your blood, right? So um, uh, that makes your blood too alkaline, right? Your pH goes up. Um, and that sends the wrong message to your hemoglobin, right? Your hemoglobin distributes oxygen based on your pH level. You know, that's how a hemoglobin knows when to release oxygen. What is your pH level? If your pH level is um, slightly acidic, uh, hemoglobin knows, okay, your metabolism has increased. Uh, you need more oxygen, so let's release more oxygen. Um, and if your pH level is acidic, hemoglobin interprets that your metabolism has decreased. You don't need as much oxygen. Um, and you know, if your activity were actually higher, right, and uh, which means that your metabolism is higher, your body is taking in more oxygen, your body is spitting out more carbon dioxide into the bloodstream, making your blood more more acidic. Uh, then hemoglobin is correct that, you know, you need more oxygen, let's deliver more oxygen. And if your metabolism decreases, you go to sleep, um, you're, you do not use as much oxygen, you do not produce as much carbon dioxide, which uh, makes your uh, blood more alkaline. And then hemoglobin correctly interprets that, okay, you don't need as much oxygen, so let's not release as much oxygen. Mm. Right. So those two scenarios are good. Uh, but if you're trying to take a deep, big, deep breath in order to calm down when you're yeah. feeling stressed, right? Your metabolism doesn't change. Your metabolism is the same, normal everyday metabolism. Um, but you take in a really big breath, you breathe out uh, that breath really fast, your CO2 levels drop, uh, your pH becomes too alkaline. And that incorrectly signals the hemoglobin that you've gone to sleep, right? Remember your metabolism hasn't actually changed, but your hemoglobin yeah. thinks that you've gone to sleep and now hemoglobin does not release sufficient oxygen. So in an effort to get more oxygen because you're stressed, right? And you think you need mm -hmm. more, you actually end up oxygen deprived because what you've done is breathed out too much CO2 and that prevents oxygen from being released from a hemoglobin. So your oxygen is going around, you have plenty of it. It's going around you know, in your bloodstream bound to the hemoglobin, but not being released sufficiently. Yeah. And you're now oxygen deprived and feeling worse than you were to begin with. 
Wow. So, okay. So uh, kind of one question, and then I want to lead us into uh, some, of, some of the education that, that you gave me in your book about how, how we kind of optimize healthy breathing. So at this point, are we, are we seeing any impact on heart rate variability? And I, I guess then leading that into how do we breathe? Because I'm assuming a healthy pH balance will show up in a higher heart rate, uh, positive heart rate variability. So, so kind of tying HRV up to this point, and if we're not really seeing much impact there, how, how do we kind of maximize this science for healthy breathing? Yeah. Um, so those are two uh, related mechanisms. Obviously, they're all both within the human body, but they're not directly connected. Okay. So it is actually possible to increase your heart variability through breathing while being oxygen deprived. Now, you're <laughs> not going to feel right. Right, because uh, the way we increase HRV is through slowing down the breath and getting the breath close to resonance frequency breathing rate, which is yeah. you know somewhere between four and seven breaths per minute. Um, so just the process of slowing down the breath will start increasing your HRV. Uh, so people who slow down their breath while taking in too big a breath and breathing it out too quickly, um, they might be over breathing. They might be oxygen deprived but the process of slowing down the breath will still raise their HRV. So you may not necessarily know this because you don't really know how much someone's HRV will increase with slowing down the breath, right? It's, it looks like it's rising, so that looks good. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's possible to have that underlying uh, overbreathing going on. Uh, most of the time, people will know it because they're gonna feel bad. They're gonna start feeling dizzy. They're gonna yeah. feel lightheaded. Um, that's going to defer. That tends to be the first uh, signal. Uh, you could be feeling short of breath. Uh, your heart might be pounding. Your fingers, uh, um, you know, your hands, your toes might feel tingly. Your stomach might get upset. You might feel a little bit kind of you know, like you're watching, watching yourself, you know, from above, you know, type, you know, derealization uh, situation. It might be hard to think straight, hard to focus. Um, the severity of these symptoms really depends on the severity of overbreathing. Uh, but the lightheadedness, um, it tends to be uh, the first uh, the first signal. Uh, so if someone is uh, doing their HRV breathing and over-breathing, their HRV might go up, but they'll feel bad doing it. Yeah. And, you know, if with proper uh, respiratory physiology over time, you know, HRV will certainly be healthier yeah. uh, than if someone continues over-breathing every time they train or if they over-breathe at baseline, because that is not good for our nervous system. Over-breathing is not good for your nervous system. Uh, there's just not that direct relationship where, you know, if you over-breathe, your heart variability doesn't go up. It will. Um, and, but most of the time you'll know that you're over-breathing because you'll feel it. Gotcha. Okay. Let's, let's spend the rest of the time that we have here. What is, so healthy breathing, you know, I know we have, and we'll, we'll have an episode I can't wait to have on residency frequency and exploring that. Uh, but but just like with how do we breathe in a healthy way, maximizing all of this science uh, that you've given us uh, in this episode? Yeah, so the, the breathing skill itself is actually fairly simple and likely not that different from what you're already doing. I'll describe yeah. it in a moment. Uh, 
But uh, a couple of things that I think are just really important to keep in mind uh, when you are thinking about healthy breathing, if you're going to do a breathing exercise, if you're going to practice breathing in a challenging or stressful situation or in a situation where you'd like to reduce the intensity of whatever is happening, or if you'd like to calm down or relax, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, breathing is a great way to do it. Just a few things to keep in mind. Um, you do not need more oxygen for any of these activities, right? Unless if you're, you know, if you're increasing activity, you're exercising, you're going for a run, you know, fast walking, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yes, different story. Over breathing still applies. We can talk about that some other time. Yeah. Uh, but you do need and do you do use more oxygen in situations, you know, uh, where we're just feeling stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, would like to come down, would like to relax, would like to get to sleep your metabolism is not increasing and therefore you do not need any extra oxygen. So the emphasis should not be on the oxygen. The emphasis needs to be on distributing that oxygen properly. And for that, we need to retain a vast majority of our carbon dioxide. With healthy lungs and healthy heart, we do not need to worry about having too much carbon dioxide. Uh, You know, you would have to really hold your breath and you would really know that you are overdoing it in order Mm -hmm. to have too much carbon dioxide. So we're not talking about uh, breath holding here. So you don't need to worry about having too much carbon dioxide. You do not need to worry about not having enough oxygen. Again, assuming you have healthy heart and healthy lungs, Um, you know, with uh, certain lung or heart disease. Again, the the concept of over breathing applies, but there are a few few other considerations there, making sure that you are getting enough oxygen. Uh, For most people, uh, if we don't have to worry about it, um, to give yourself permission not to be concerned with whether you're getting enough oxygen. Uh, focus on optimizing your carbon dioxide. So uh, you do not need a particularly big or deep breath, yeah. again, because you do not need extra oxygen. Uh, and what we want to do is take a normal size inhalation, and then we want to extend our exhalation. Uh, this way we'll breathe out the carbon dioxide over a longer period of time. Um, up, so you'll breathe out the same amount of CO2 just over a longer period of time, uh, therefore allowing your body to make more uh, as you breathe it out and therefore maintain a steady level of CO2, allowing the oxygen that you do have to get distributed properly. Okay, let, let's break that down for a, a little bit. So, so on the exhale, the, the extended exhale, which is what I sort of immediately applied uh, to, to my mindful breathing practice uh, before work each day, you know, we're not breathing out more carbon dioxide. We're just spreading out the exhale uh, over longer. It, it just, so we sort of, you know, bring everything together. Let's, uh, why is that important? I, I think it, it connects everything you've talked about, but just for folks like me who are trying to process this, that longer exhale, what, what is that doing with the hemoglobin and all this stuff that, that we've talked about? Uh, it allows you, you to preserve Uh, a steady level of carbon dioxide, right? So as you are breathing out your carbon dioxide, your body is making more, right? So uh, you're overall maintaining a um, steady level. You you will breathe out what you need to breathe out, right? So you're going to breathe out that 12 to 15% that you don't need. uh, And you're going to allow the 85 to 88% of your CO2 to stay inside, um, which will maintain a uh, pH level between that 7.5 three, five, and 7.45, which is what you need, uh, which will signal 
you know, your hemoglobin to release appropriate amounts of oxygen. So your exhalation is really important in order for the oxygen that you have in order uh, to get distributed uh, in a way that in, in the most optimal way. So you, to get the oxygen going to where you need to go, you want to maintain steady levels of CO2. Awesome. So I, I know we'll hold off talking about residency frequency breathing rates. Is there any advice outside of that for someone who may, may not have thought about residency frequency is just like, oh, I've heard this. I might be breathing wrong. Uh, well, what, what should I do? Maybe I'm in the car. Maybe I, well, maybe the car is a bad idea, but, but like where, what sort of practice can people do? Is there sort of a universal way we can think about this uh, before we get more in the clinical aspects of RF breathing rates? Absolutely. Uh, so keeping in mind those, uh, you know, precautions that I um, just mentioned, uh, let me show you a breathing practice uh, that will feel good to most people. It will minimize the chances of overbreathing, um, and it will kind of provide that, um, you know, state of you know, uh, calmness if that's if that's what you'd like. It's a nice way to prepare your body for uh, facing whatever challenge uh, might be happening. Uh, so this breathing is called low and slow breathing. Uh, we're gonna shift the breath from the chest down to the belly. That, that's the low part. Uh, we're gonna slow down the breathing. That's the slow part. And we're gonna take a normal size, comfortable breath in, right? Remember there's no need for a deep breath. And so you can imagine, you know, just uh, uh, taking a breath in as if you're smelling a flower. So it's gonna be a little bit slower because you're shifting the breath to the belly, right? It's gonna be a little bit deeper, uh, but your body will take care of uh, the depth uh, all on its own. You do not need to make your body take a deep breath. And so just normal size breath in as if you are smelling a flower. And then you're going to breathe out through the nose or through pursed lips as if you are blowing out a candle, allowing your exhalation to be full and longer than your inhalation. And since you didn't take a particularly large inhalation, your exhalation doesn't need to be exceedingly slow. So this will feel a lot more comfortable. And so let's can try that again. Normal size breath in and an exhale. Uh, if you can breathe out slowly through the nose, that's great. That can actually be healthier. But if it's hard to breathe out slowly uh, through the nose, then breathing out through pursed lips uh, is a nice, uh, uh, nice way to do it. it. Gives you just a little bit more control over airflow. It tends to make this uh, a little bit easier for people. Um, awesome. Well, well, this I, I was so excited to have this conversation because we're, we're going to in future episodes expand on this. But to me, this science was so foundational. It just kind of knocked off a lot of misinformation that I, is in popular culture about breathing, the stress response, and, and things that I've misinformed people of because I was taught wrong around this. So, so Ina, so I really appreciate this. Um, as always, you can find show notes at heart rate, uh, or excuse me, optimalhrv.com. Uh, and Ina, thanks as always, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much, Matt.